Good morning. How are we? Mark's okay. That's good. How about the rest of us? Are we all good? We're good. Give me a thumbs up if you're, if you're all right this morning. Uh, we are just really happy that you're with us today. So welcome again. Uh, Megan's already said it, but it is good to see the sunshine after this week. For those of us who sat at a table collecting this week. The weather was pretty miserable, and so it is nice for at least some sun. Uh, let's get this working. Does anyone love sport? Any sport lovers? Give me a wave if you, if you love watching sport, generic, all the sport. Is there anyone who just doesn't get sport? I know that there's usually a few. Just don't care about sport. Beck, the Hawks... You don't go for the Hawks anymore? No? Okay. There's a few. There's a few. Just don't care about sport. But anyway, I'm going to talk about sport for a bit. For those who don't care, please don't switch off. Just stick with me for two seconds. I am quite frequently, uh, YouTube is on our TV at home and the kids are watching sport highlight videos. Yesterday, in fact, I, I watched a, a highlight video of LeBron, like some of his highlights over his career, and, it, and it's, it's exciting. Who likes watching the sport highlight kind of reel? Anyone enjoy watching those moments? You know, like in basketball, it might be the flashy kind of highlights uh, where a massive dunk happens, or it might be a massive block as well, or a fancy pass, or in footy, how much do you love watching Kind of like those crazy goals, like the magic goals, like, like an Eddie Betts style goal, right? Like, uh, or Dusty, you know? No? Just me. Uh, but magic goals, we love watching the highlights of those things. But who knows? The flashy things are great. They're really good to watch. They're really good to watch the highlight reel of. But sports people or sports teams... They aren't the best because of those flashy moments. Do we know that? That's not actually what makes them the best. Because the worst team can have a flashy moment or a highlight. But actually the best teams are because of their mastery of the fundamentals, isn't it? Kind of the things that they do really well, the fundamentals of the games, the things that actually matter the most. We've been looking over the last few weeks, at a teaching series on streams in the wasteland. Do we remember that? If you don't, I'll catch you up in a second. Or you could go listen to SoundCloud or Spotify. You could have a listen. And our base texts for this teaching series have been Ezekiel 47. Can we remember the Ezekiel vision? That Ezekiel has a vision for his people that is given by God... And his people, the, the Israelites at the time, had no hope left. They were in a foreign land under a foreign government, under, under another people group. And God gives Ezekiel a vision. And it's a vision of life, isn't it? A promise that God's Spirit will be poured out to all people. Are you with me so far? We remember this? Yeah, good. And with God's Spirit, when God pours His Spirit out, comes life, comes renewal, comes resurrection. 
Yeah? The vision that Ezekiel has is, you know, a stream of water that flows from the temple, turns into a bigger stream, which eventually turns into a river that goes through the desert, through the wasteland where nothing is growing, into the Dead Sea. And everywhere that that river goes, everywhere that the river is, life comes. I can hear that river right now. It's uh, It's amazing. But life grows wherever that is. Now, John 7 has Jesus kind of saying where, where Jesus stands up and he tells his people, this stream, this vision that Ezekiel had, this promise that God has for us, I am that living water. I am that living water that comes and brings life, that comes and brings renewal, that brings resurrection. And he invites us, Jesus, and we've heard, Jesus invites us to be filled by him and for the spirit then to flow from us. So we are changed. Life comes to us. But wherever we go, there is also life. It overflows from us. This morning, uh, this is our second last week of this series. Next week is Pentecost, like Megan kind of, spoiler alert, gave away. Uh, which is where we, where we celebrate the birth of the church, where God poured out his spirit to all uh, through Pentecost. But today, uh, I want to explore a little bit. What does it look like for us to be filled with the spirit? Because we talk about it, but what does it look like for us to be filled with the spirit? For God to pour out his spirit on us. Are you with me? We're okay? Let's pray together and let's pray that, that God speaks to us this morning. God, we thank you so much for just, just being able to be together, to be able to proclaim together that you are God, that Jesus, you are King, that you have had the victory, that your death on the cross means that we can have salvation and freedom, and that Jesus, we thank you for your promise that you give us life and that you pour out your spirit. We ask Holy Spirit, lead us to truth this morning. Uh, We want to leave here changed, transformed, more and more like you, Jesus. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, Amen. So, so kind of like sports, all right? This is where the sport thing came in. Kind of like sports. When we think filled with the Spirit, well, at least I do, and I'm kind of projecting that you guys might think similarly to me, Uh, I think signs and wonders. Does anyone else kind of think that? When you think the Spirit poured out or filled with the Spirit, my mind firstly goes to signs and wonders. And maybe maybe it is just me. But I think of things like, ah, when God's Spirit is poured out, there's healing, right? Miraculous healings. There's, there's prophecy. People speaking in words of knowledge or, or in the prophetic. That, you know, there's speaking in tongues when, when people are filled with the Spirit. There's people who are like falling down under the power of God. My mind goes to that when I think of God pouring His Spirit out. Now, I'm sure these are things that the Holy Spirit can do through us. And I... I believe that that God sometimes does that within the body of Christ. 
to edify, to encourage, to build up, to show people who he is. But we'll look, we'll look at some of that stuff a little bit more next week. But this morning, I want to say that I think those are the flashy things. It's like the highlight reel. Yeah? It's kind of like when Eddie Betts kicks that goal from the That's kind of like God showing off a little bit when we see those signs and wonders. And it's amazing. And they happen. But I also don't, know, I don't think that that's the everyday experience of being filled with the Spirit. I, you know, it'd be great if it was. But I actually think that there's something even more fundamental. And actually something even more powerful than just maybe those flashy signs and wonders for us. So can we look together in Scripture and let's see what Paul says about this together. And we're going to look uh, uh, briefly at um, 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter 13. Now this is, this is kind of a Scripture verse that a lot of us who have been to a wedding would have heard. This is known as kind of the love chapter. Um, we're going to read through it a little bit, but I, I just want to intro it a little bit. In chapter 12, just before we get to, to the verse that we'll read, in chapter 12, Paul is talking about the body of Christ. He's talking about how everybody has a part to play in the body of Christ. I like to think of the body of Christ like Voltron. Does anyone remember Voltron? Voltron got re-released really recently. Anyway, Voltron is like... It's, is, am I the only one? Am I like, is this like a real niche, like little window of time? If you were born in like 79 to 83, you know who Voltron is. Voltron is like, uh, they're people who, who, they're in big mechanical cats. Oh my gosh, why am I talking about this? Anyway, the mechanical cats get together and form a big giant Voltron. Voltron is the defender of the universe and the body of Christ is kind of like that. We all have a part to play in a greater body. Are we, we with me? Voltron, look it up, Google it. Watch an episode, The Savo on Netflix. Uh, and Paul's talking about the body of Christ, that we have a part to play. No part is greater or, or lesser than the other, but they're all necessary together. And he talks about the gifts that the Spirit pours out on the body. And the chapter finishes with, and I will read from uh, chapter 12, starting at verse 29, and I'll carry into chapter 13. So you might want to follow on the screen or, or get out your phone or Bible. Are we all apostles, Paul asks? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not, Paul says. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now, now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Do you hear what Paul's saying? He's saying there are these flashy things and they're gifts and they're useful for the body of Christ. But he's saying, listen up, because the next thing is more important than all of those things. Those things are the flashy, they're great, highlight reel. But this is the thing that is fundamental. 
chapter 13. If I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest... The greatest of these is love. Paul actually says in verse, uh, in chapter 14, the first line again, is let love be your highest goal, is the very next verse. Let love be your highest goal. Can I tell you, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the most fundamental thing that the Spirit does is change our hearts and give us the ability to love. Real love. Agape love, as explained by Paul in that chapter. Uh, For those who have been to a wedding that I've officiated, I've used this verse and I've probably explained it, I feel like, ten times. If If you book me for a wedding, you'll get the same thing. Uh, I'll change your names, hopefully. Uh, But in in the Greek, there's actually a few different words for love. In the English, our our, our kind of, our language is a bit limited. We use love for lots of different reasons, right? I, I say that I love food, right? Or I love chocolate. But at the same time, I, I love Susie, my wife. I love my kids. I love my family. I love my friends. We use love for lots of different things. But actually in the Greek, they kind of split it up a little bit more so you could better understand kind of what they were talking about. And Paul uses this word agape. Agape isn't, isn't eros. Eros is, is like if I love Susie romantically, eros is the word used. Yeah, 
If I love my family or my brothers, it's, it's filler. Like Philadelphia, that's where we get that brotherly love. Uh, that, that's the kind of love you have for your family and your close friends. But this love that Paul talks about is agape. And he actually gives us the definition right there. It's a love that puts others first. A love that actually wants the best for someone else, is willing to sacrifice for that other person, that does everything they can to make life better for someone else. It's the kind of love that Jesus has for us and has shown us a sacrificial love, an unconditional love. Who knows that kind of love changes us. And I believe that kind of love can change our families. I believe that kind of love can change our marriages. I believe that kind of love can change our schools and our workplaces, our neighbourhoods, right? There's a guy, uh, Samuel Logan Brengle, um, which Sam, Sam Elms loves Samuel Logan Brengle. Uh, Brengle is a, a Salvo holiness teacher. He was just a Salvo officer from the US, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, I should have done my research. Wikipedia, where is it? Um, anyway, Samuel Brengle talked about the filling of the Holy Spirit. And he used this word, uh, second blessing. That actually the first blessing is knowing Jesus, knowing our salvation, that what Jesus did on the cross was enough for us, that Jesus is Lord. But he talks about a second blessing where God pours out his spirit on us, a filling of the Holy Spirit. And he wrote this of his experience of what this second blessing is. This is in Brengel's words. I walked out over Boston Common before breakfast. Weeping for joy and praising God. Oh, how I loved. In that hour, I knew Jesus and I loved him till it seemed my heart would break with love. I was filled with love for all his creatures. I heard the little sparrows chattering. I loved them. I saw a little worm wriggling across my path. I stepped over it. I didn't want to hurt any living thing. I loved the dogs. I loved the horses. I loved the little urchins on the street. I loved the strangers who hurried past me. I loved the heathen. I loved the whole world. This was Brengel's experience of what being filled with the Spirit was. We don't hear about him kind of prophesying in that moment we don't hear about the flashy we hear about a heart change how the spirit of God changed his whole perspective that actually he was filled with love love for God's creation love for God's people can I tell you um my testimony is that I had a very similar experience. I, I probably wouldn't call anyone a street urchin, but I had a very similar experience to Brengle. Earlier, I, I was probably uh, 1920, and, and I had, I'd come to know Jesus for myself as Lord and Saviour of my life, but I had an experience where 
I was invited to just receive the Holy Spirit. It was at a conference and it was a big event, but, but it was, I just knew that God was going to do something different. And I remember thinking, I think my whole life's about to change. And it was, it was simple. It was a simple prayer that someone just prayed that I received the Holy Spirit. But I was postured in a way that I was ready to receive what God had for me. And I remember walking out and seeing like the world differently. Something had shifted in me. The people who annoyed me in the past, the people that I had no time for, suddenly there was like a burden on my heart for them, like a a love for them even. Now, it was was like an immediate experience, but it took time for that love to grow as well. You understand? Like like it wasn't like an immediate, suddenly I, I love everyone and I'm tolerant and all that. But God did a work on my heart that transformed me. And it wasn't that I walked out of there And I laid my hand on someone's head and suddenly they walked. That would have been pretty cool though. But what it was is that I just had an overwhelming sense of love for God's creation, for people. There's, um, I don't know, there's these YouTube videos and you may have seen them. They're they're tear jerkers uh, where you see uh, grown men get given a pair of magic glasses Men who have been colourblind for their whole entire life get given a set of glasses that allow them to see colours fully. Has anyone ever seen those videos? And usually it ends up with the grown man crying, right? And then I'm a mess, you know. But what happens is the comments from the people putting on those glasses are, I can't believe you've been able to see this your whole life. I can't believe how different the world looks. I can't believe how beautiful everything looks. I believe that when we receive the Holy Spirit, we have a similar experience. What we've actually seen the world in is actually just black and white until we know God's Spirit and God's love for creation. We see things in full technicolour. Yeah? Is that exciting? I know we talk about the flashy things being exciting, but I get excited that we might see life fully when we're filled with the Spirit, that we might love fully. There's plenty of talk in the church, uh, and there's, there's denominations and there's splits in the church because of it, who talk about the evidence of the filling of the Spirit. And we could, we could talk lots about what is the evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And especially when it comes to, we hear quite often, speaking in tongues seems to be a bit of a marker. And there are some churches who believe if you don't speak in tongues, you're not filled with the Spirit. Can I tell you what I, I believe and what I believe Paul is telling us is the evidence of the Holy Spirit? Is that we are filled with love. That's actually the evidence of the Holy Spirit in us. Paul paints an even bigger picture and he paints it in Galatians 5. Um, And he's pretty clear about what he believes is the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our life. He uses this term fruit, the fruit of the Spirit in our life. 
Who knows that we can tell what kind of tree it is by its fruit? An apple tree bears apples, right? Uh, an apricot tree, well, we can tell it's an apricot tree because it, it bears apricots. The same with us. We can tell that we are filled with the Spirit if we have the fruit of the Spirit. And, and uh, Paul lines it out in Galatians 5, uh, starting at verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. I want to point out that love is first. Uh, Judah Smith, he's a, he's a guy in the US, a bit of a celebrity pastor, but he, he argues the point that actually there's one fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Peace, patience, kindness. If we look at Paul's definition in, in Corinthians, actually outlines that as real love, doesn't it? That actually peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, that's actually the fruit of love. Love is the fruit of the Spirit in us. Real love. This is what the Spirit does in us. Real love changes us, transforms us, our attitudes towards others. Who knows that real love also changes those around us, changes our world. Real love brings life. And out of that love, who knows that God does even more and then God shows off and he does some flashy things as well, yeah? Which is, that stuff's really exciting, but it's out of a place of love, the fruit of love. Who wants that fruit in their life? I know that I want that fruit in my life. Quickly, I'll, I'll kind of wrap up in a minute because I think that we just need to pray for it. We need to be open and we'll just pray for that, the Holy Spirit to come and bring that. If we want that fruit, the only way to grow it is to be connected to the source. John uses the illustration of abiding in Christ. He uses like this picture of a vine, right? Do we, are we familiar with this? We've looked at this on a Sunday morning before. There's no way a vine can produce fruit if it's not attached to the plant, right? It, it can't just, a branch on the ground doesn't just produce fruit by itself. It has to be connected to the source. John is saying in his gospel, we have to remain connected to Jesus to see this fruit. In the illustration, in the, in the prophetic word of Ezekiel, this vision that he has, do we notice that everything connected to the river brings life? It even talks about what happens uh, later in the chapter when it isn't connected. They become little cesspools. They actually don't bring life. We have to be connected to that stream, the source of living water. Now, I want to tell you that there are things that God does in an instant. 
Are we thankful for the things that God does in an instant? But there are also things that God does over time. And he grows us. And he stretches us. And sometimes it takes a while for the fruit to mature, doesn't it? Today, I want this to be a marker of the start of that fruit growing. Are we, are we willing to put ourselves in a place where we're ready to just receive from God? That we might have an experience of this love, that God might continue to work on us, continue to grow that fruit. We're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us. I know we've prayed this a dozen times. I believe God's good for it. I believe that there is heaps to do with our posture as well. Are we really willing to receive it? And I pray this morning that you may experience the love that Jesus has for you first. And when we experience that, we are then able to live that out for others, aren't we? This love, this agape love, that is the fruit of the Spirit dwelling in us. Might get Dan to come and we're, we're just going to pray. We talk about this all the time, but posturing ourselves, I know I've used that phrase quite a bit. But we're going to pray that Holy Spirit comes and fills us, that there's a pouring out of His Spirit. Are we ready to receive it this morning? Are we ready to receive it? You may want to do something physical. You may just want to sit. You may just want to silently pray. You might want to kneel. Can I tell you, you are free to do whatever you need to do in this moment. Let's wait on God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the work that you do in us, Holy Spirit. We thank you for the way you transform us. Right now, we just ask that you refill, you refresh. The Holy Spirit, you pour out your Spirit on us this morning. those of us journeying, we ask for extra measure, extra measure of patience, extra measure of kindness, that you continue to grow that fruit. Help us to love. as we sit and wait on you.
just ask in these moments, Holy Spirit, that you convict us too. That you show us where we may have prejudice, that we may have past hurt that's impairing our ability to love fully. We ask in these moments that you heal, that you restore, that you renew our minds again, that we may be able to see all of creation with the love that you have for it. As we leave here, I ask Holy Spirit that we leave different. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your work in our life. Thank you that we can call on you, that we can receive that. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Our God is good. He wants good things for us. He loves us and He wants us to love others too. Pray that you have a great week. Next week is Pentecost. Uh, We get to celebrate a little bit together. Uh, And we might talk a little bit more about some of the flashy things God has done when He's poured His Spirit out too. So come expectant, yeah? Raise our expectations as to what God might do when we gather again next week. Have a blessed week. How, I know it's, some people get a bit distracted. How good is it just to see a bunch of our kids together, knowing that they're learning about how good our God is. Uh, just great to see them enjoying time together. Thanks for being with us. Those who are willing to lend some muscle, I'd love that. That's all. Bless you.